The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello, welcome to the Full Court Press. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan here on a Thursday, February 21st. Oh, January 21st. Jump, Whoa. Jumping ahead there. Time machine. It is jumping ahead there. Just trying to get through these ugly days of January and winter. Cloudy. Look, it hasn't been that depressing. bad. There's not that much snow out there. It's still It really cold. hasn't been that cold. Dude, if it's yes, it has. It has been freezing. Yes, it has. It's been horrible. Well, but like January is usually you, you think back, I think at least in my mind, when I think back of years past in January's. It's like cold inversions, sub-zero temperatures, fog and haze just locked in. And we haven't had that. Uh, now, I'm not, no, I'm not like you, Aj, where I say things and they come into existence. I do not have that special ringmaster that. special ability. So don't say that I'm jinxing anything because you're jinxy over there. Yes. Meow. Okay, so, so I can say it, but you can't. A couple of things. Uh, one, every time you say jinxy, you'll get a reply of a meow every time. <laughs> I want you to be aware <laughs> of that. Or if we get a text message from one of our wonderful listeners who want to text into 435-339-0321. Again, 435-339-0321. And they call me jinxy. They'll get a meow. Every time. And speaking of which... Who Note let- to self, never say that word ever <laughs> again. Who let that little... Okay, who's the little yapper in the uh, in the office? That, that was yap- Tucker. That Well, Tucker, Tucker is very upset about his pay and his salary. He was livid. And he was letting whoever else was in there with him. Tucker just wanted some attention. Well, and it wanted a race, according to his, uh, his conversation I could hear. From with the door shut. <laughs> hey, 401 was your kickoff time here on the Full Court Press. Again, thanks for joining us. However, wherever you are doing so, hope you're having a great Thursday. And we'll get you ready for uh, Friday and the weekend coming up. A lot of uh, good sporting going on, uh, including the NFC and AFC Championship Games winners. Of course, we'll head to Tampa Bay to play in front of a 20% capacity crowd uh, for Super Bowl in uh, in Tampa Bay. So. Go Bucks! I know everyone's. A lot of people are cheering for Tom Brady. Oh, nine eight three five. Jinx. Meow. Yes. Hi. How are you? Nine eight three five. Welcome to the program. Oh, do not do not enable him. <laughs> not enabling. Let's not be enabling. They're not enabling. Here. They're not enabling. So stop it. <laughs> they just want to be involved. And you know what? Our you, listeners have you, the right. You to can text. be involved without having no, to. No, no. Don't tell our listeners what, what not to text. That's not your job. It is freezing in here. What is it like with this place? Like one day it's 94 degrees. The next day it's it's outside Logan weather in January. I don't get it. Why are we freezing in here all of a sudden? Maybe you should check your. Uh, are you freezing? Your blood pressure. and. Okay. Speaking of how which, well. Okay, when a vascular system is working, there is a bro code that we follow here in the states that I've learned since transferring from India to America, (laughs) and it is that when that individual is going to the bathroom, 
You do not go pounding on the door really loudly. It could cause a disruption and a mess of sorts. (laughs) (laughs) A disruption and a mess of sorts. Yes. You know where I'm going with that. (laughs) Hey, uh, (laughs) going back to our conversation yesterday um, about the, you know, if there should be a a new basketball venue, I I guess if, you know, jerseys hanging and and whatnot in the hallways, uh, Lance Rasmussen texts in and he says, Hey, catching up on yesterday's podcast, by the way, thanks Lance for listening, and with rumors circulating about a new basketball venue being built in the next five years, I think naming the Spectrum Court after Stu only to move buildings might feel hollow. Wait for the next building and have at it. Will there be? I mean, that's been... I think that's the other question. That's a rumor that I've heard for a long time. Um, and I I have no clue if that or will or when will happen, so I don't even dare speculate. I'll be honest. That. When they started redoing that parking lot yeah, just north of the Spectrum, I thought, oh, maybe they're going to start doing something here. But no, they're just fixing up the parking lot. Yeah. So basically, we've asked John Hartwell that before. We've had him here on the program, and we've quizzed him about that. And he said it would be about as much to renovate the existing Spectrum as it would to build, it would to build a brand new facility. Yeah. Yeah. And if you build a brand new facility, there's a lot more you can do. Uh-huh. So the, the, the idea would be build it on the side of the parking lot because you've got the space there and then you, you bring down the other one. But uh, I think this, I don't know the current financial state of Utah State. Uh, I, I know they were hit with a big bill with that West... West Stadium project and some of the other projects that were going on. Um, and so I know this administration's been trying to get their financial house in order, and then it didn't help to have COVID-19 hit, and that uh, you, you miss out on NCAA tournament money, you miss out on uh, the your traditional season ticket, your money games from football. So it, it that's absolutely going to delay those types of projects with a, a, a massive capital project like that. Will it happen someday? Probably. It probably will. But when? I don't know. In the next five years? I have no idea. Yeah, stay tuned, right? I mean, uh, uh, and I, yeah, there's no time frame. I don't know if there is a time frame or, or what, the, uh, what the idea right now is. But you know what would help? That, so what? If the Utah State men's basketball team gets the NCAA tournament and if they win a couple of games? Yeah, that would help. That always helps. That definitely helps. Absolutely. All right, uh, let's start here. We got Aggies, and we'll talk to Aggies. We promise we'll do that through. I guess we can start a little bit you know, in this hour, and then we'll get more into it. Um, we'll dive deeper into that uh, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, you know, Aggies game two versus the Rams. We'll look at the bracketology situation. You know, at this time of the year, all sorts of brackets are coming out. We're not even into the dog days of the basketball season yet um, with a COVID-shortened season, quote-unquote. But a lot of brackets, like the Utah State Aggies right now, where they're at, a sweep tonight would definitely enhance that likeness uh, and uh, and maybe even move them up a seat or two. Remember, the entire tournament, uh, based on region, uh, will not really matter uh, because they'll just put them all in Indianapolis. Uh, The first four in... I guess, excuse me, last four in, I guess, will be in uh, Banker's Life Arena to start the whole entire uh, charade of fun. 
And then uh, after that, you're just in separate arenas playing a bunch of basketball games, 68 teams in total. And uh, it will conclude in Indianapolis as well for the Final Four and National Championship. So, a little bit different. Yeah, it's going to be a different setup, a different scenario. But um, I, I applaud the NCAA for finding a, a way around this. That That's a lot of people that they have to try to accommodate. All these teams, all this travel, their support staff. Uh, and Indiana, Indiana is a great basketball state. And there are a lot of great venues and traditional historic venues around in and around Indianapolis. So I think it makes a lot of sense to try to converge into one area. Uh, 9315 did text in. Uh, it says, after all the money for the football stadium rent renovation, renovations make it so we don't have money, but Blake Anderson, Craig Smith could help in them getting the money. They could sell ice to an Eskimo with their personalities. That's definitely not false. I would... I'll full-heartedly agree with that. Uh, I think we win the game tonight for USU. He says 66-55 is his prediction of the final score. We'd like to hear from everybody else as well. 435-339-0321. What is your score? What is your prediction? Do the Aggies get the win in game two? And another sweep and remain undefeated in Matt West Conference play this year. Again, we'll get more into Utah State and Colorado State uh, as the uh, as the show goes on. And uh, would love to hear your predictions. And we'll read those predictions and scores. Here on the uh, air again, 435-339-0321. We start off with Utah Jazz basketball as they host the New Orleans Pelicans. Utah Jazz 10-4 on the season, 3-2 at home. They're the second-best record in the league. Unless you ask ESPN, they feel like uh, Utah Jazz are the second-worst team in the league. New Orleans Pelicans 5-8 overall. What are you talking about? 3-5 they're, on their own. Their power rankings, they have the Jazz up. They're pretty high. No, they don't. Well, okay, look at the teams ahead of them then. Uh, I haven't seen it as of today, but as of the other day, they were like sixth, fifth, or sixth. Uh, I again, I'd have and to they've won that. games since then. I can't find the dang rankings. Anyways, if I do, I will. Oh, power rankings right there. Okay, uh, yeah. So here's the rankings: Lakers are one; they're at eleven and three. Clippers are at ten and four. Uh, Bucks are at nine and four. Celtics eight and four. Sixers are at nine and five. Uh, they're they're the fifth place team. That's your top five. Brooklyn Nets eight and six. Utah Jazz are nine and four. The Brooklyn Nets are eight and six. I'm oh, sorry. Jazz are ten and four. Uh, and they have them ahead of the Jazz. So they have the Jazz in the seventh spot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I didn't say that they're the worst, but it's not. Uh, there's a little disrespect there. I would say Definitely so. some disrespect there. Yeah, I would say so. Brooklyn and Philadelphia ahead of you. I mean, Boston hasn't been entirely that great. I'd even like out does Boston maybe ahead of Utah? Yes. But they're not fourth. And the Phoenix Suns are eight. Boston's Pacers lost two nine. in a row. Yeah. That, see, that's Jazz what, are the hottest team in I'm, basketball. Yeah. Pacers are nine, Mavericks are ten to run out your top ten. I think Brooklyn's higher just because Kyrie's back, James Harden's now there, and so it's it's based on its potential rather than what they've done so far. Jazz looking for victory number seven in uh, their winning streak. Uh, game is will be at eight o'clock Mountain Time, uh, and I believe is on is not on ES, no it's on TNT. Excuse me, I apologize. I knew it was on national television to be that late. Just couldn't see the time. Uh, Jazz again on on the six team winning streak. It's been really impressive. They're six and two against conference opponents. Uh, they lead the Western Conference in rebounding, averaging about 
just under 50 boards a game. And by the way, surprise, surprise, Rudy Gobert right now is leading the team with 13 and a half boards. Offensively, I've been uh, defensively. You're always impressed with the team. Offensively, they're starting to put things together. Eric. Yeah, they're really clicking. Uh, how they're moving the ball. A lot of different guys uh, touching the ball, involved in the action. Uh, Boyan is starting to find his offense a little bit, although he's been a little bit up and down. But Mike Connolly, I, I know I've said this before, but his he finally feels it, it, like he's part of the Utah Jazz fabric now. And he's just been fantastic. The way he has figured out how to do pick and roll with Rudy Gobert, how to defend pick and roll with Rudy Gobert, uh, setting up other guys. Uh, Royce O'Neal is finding his offense a little bit more now. Jordan Clarkson has been outstanding off of the bench. This is a fun, fun basketball team to watch. The the best three-point shooting team in the NBA. Um, and you're right, doing it a lot with their defense. Now, uh, Brandon Ingram was pretty quiet in game one just the other night. I would expect he would be a lot more assertive in the matchup tonight against the Utah Jazz. Yeah, and the other part to it is, again, it's going to be kind of a, I wouldn't say a rebounding battle, but I think it'll be physical underneath the boards again for this game. Uh, Steven Adams leads the Pelicans with nine boards. Uh, they are fifth in the league in, in, in rebounding of 47.5 per game. Um, and uh, Did you see, I'm just pulling up the rebound disparity in game one between these two teams on Tuesday. Hit me. Who Do you, do you know who had the better rebounds? I don't, uh, but I'll take... I'll take the Jazz by 12. Jazz had 54 rebounds Okay. to New Orleans 38. I'll take the Jazz by 14. <laughs> jazz by 20. Insane. Yeah. that's But that's what they can do. I mean, they're, they're really – I mean, look, Well, a lot of people talk about high. New Orleans as a big team, and yeah. Jazz will have to go big to match them. But, boy, they did awesome. Uh, Gobert in game one, or at least uh, – not in game one, but I guess so far this season, he's getting about just over 12 points per game, 13 and a half boards per game. Clarkson's been wonderful again. I think he's your front runner for sixth man of the year at this point. He's shooting 50% from the field. He's averaging just over 18 points in the last 10 games for the Jazz. And on the other side, Adams leads the Pelicans with nine boards, uh, just under 10 points per game. As you mentioned, Brandon Ingram has been good. Jazz put him in check uh, the other night. He's averaging just... The, under 22 points a game, five and a half boards per game, shooting about 46% from the field. Uh, but again, this Jazz team um, in the last 10 games are 8 and 2. They're averaging 111 points, 49 rebounds, 25 and a half assists, five steals, six and a half blocks, 47% from the field. Uh, their opponents have averaged maybe 104 points per game and 43% shooting. Uh, I would imagine that tonight's going to be a more offensive battle than what you saw in game one. True or false? Uh, well, let me just put it this way. This is a New Orleans team that that uh, you, you throw out Steven Adams as your center, Brandon Ingram as your small forward. <laughs> and he's like, what, 6'10"? Yeah. yeah. Zion Williamson as your power forward. That's a that's a big lineup. And the fact that the Jazz out-rebounded them by 20 just speaks to the overall team dynamic for the Utah Jazz. But I think this this New Orleans team, um, I'll be interested to see what kind of adjustments they make tonight if they try to attack the middle more or if they're going to float out and try to, you know, try to shoot a little bit better. I don't know. I mean, it's... 
kind of crazy to see this that big of a difference between these two teams. In game one, Jazz went at 118-102. They were uh, led in a big third quarter where they scored 36 points and limited New Orleans to 20. That's a 16-point differential. Uh, again, 118-102 is your final just a couple nights ago. Donovan Mitchell had 28-7 and seven in that game. Uh, he also hit four threes. Jordan Clarkson had 18, six boards, six assists, and Joe Ingles had 15. Rudy Gobert with 13, 18, and three. Uh, again, this team, like, if you can get everybody to play in chemistry or in sync and be productive, this Jazz team is the top three team in the Western Conference, top five team in the NBA. The, the problem in the bugaboo has been, A, staying healthy, and B, being consistent on shooting. Like, there's nights where they are douche, they're shooting 47% from the field. They are hitting a record, franchise record in threes. And then there's a night where they, I mean, they can't find the broad side of a barn. I just, I mean, if you see consistency with this team, you're going to be all right. Yeah, and, cer- and certainly over this win streak, they have that consistency. Yeah. Uh, they've been um, a lot better, at, uh, both the, on the defensive side and on with their offensive output. Um, but I, I think Quinn Snyder would say, you know, the upping the defensive intensity has helped lead to this offensive improvement and consistency of his team. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Zion Williamson had 32 points for New Orleans. ESPN was thrilled about it, by the way. Brandon Ingram <laughs> had 17. The Pelicans, by the way, they trailed the entire second half. Uh, and uh, they also allowed the Jazz to make more than 20-plus threes. For the fourth time in six games, a three-point shooting team that is also a defensive juggernaut. That just doesn't seem to like... I mean, when you look at a puzzle piece, or two puzzle pieces, one says three-point shooting team, and the other says defense, that just doesn't usually gel well. And it does for the Jazz, and it works really well for them. How, though? Because usually three-pointers either lead to long misses with long rebounds or transition breaks for the other team. Or, I mean, it's a... Or it's, I don't know, it just, I haven't seen a good three-point shooting team that plays great defense on the other end. And I'd put the Warriors in that same category, too. Uh, the Warriors played some decent defense in their run. That's when they were the great three-point shooting team, they actually were, were quick to their spots, and they, were, they weren't locked-down defenders no. like we've seen some other teams, but they played pretty good defense. So, um, I'm not so willing to to toss them out. Um, I think they did play some pretty good defense in in their heyday when they won the, all those championships or at least made it to the championships um, when they were all healthy. Uh, but this Jazz team is they're doing that. They're shooting a lot of threes, but they're also playing really good D. Uh, it, it's a kind of a rare combination, um, but they're doing it. Milwaukee had moments during the regular season where they were a really good three point shooting team and a good defensive team. But they could figure out how to adjust when it came to postseason play and would, would fail and flame out. But Utah Jazz, during this six game uh, or six game uh, or, or six, yeah, six game winning streak, um, Spider Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell, averaging 27 points, four rebounds, five assists. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, 20 points per game. Connolly, 14 points a game. Eight assists. 42% from three. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's several guys playing really, really good basketball right now. Hey, I got to ask you about Donovan Mitchell. It seems that there's been a trend of Donovan playing 
just porous basketball for three quarters, and in the fourth quarter, turning it around. Now, I know he had a consistently good game or a good four quarters against the Pelicans, but a majority of his season is three quarters of just bad basketball decision and bad playing. And in the fourth quarter, he just turns the Jets on and we're going. Can he... What does he need to do to play better in those previous three quarters? And is it... I mean, would you still give him credit as a good basketball player of three bad quarters and one good quarter? Well, certainly I like how he has a closeout mentality and can dial up his game in the clutch and he doesn't wilt from those moments. That was one of the biggest criticisms of Gordon Hayward. He he uh, would back down in those bigger moments in the fourth quarter. And we've seen some other Jazz players in the past, when the when it got tight, they were uncomfortable and they didn't push through and really nail it down. Donovan is not bashful about that. He relishes those moments. But there is a, a little bit of a criticism of him that why do you wait until the fourth quarter to do that? Your team needs you for the entire game. Uh, well, on Tuesday, he had 15 in the first quarter. So I think there are times where, and I think he's evolving and maturing, and he recognizes times and moments when it's time to set a tone against your opponent. Opening tip against the uh, the Denver Nuggets. What did he do? He ran right to the basket and flushed it. He wanted to make a statement that he's ready to play from the opening tip. So I think that he's he's growing and understanding that he needs to be there and trust his teammates and participate in what's going on for the entire game. But certainly when it gets to a clutch, that it's okay if he can dial it up and take over. One thing that's really impressed me about Donovan Mitchell in those first three quarters, you you know, you see him making mistakes, a lot of them too. But then in the fourth quarter, it just seems like he makes a lot of great adjustments. Um, I, I think there was a if that Denver game comes to mind, uh, and instead of, I mean, every time he would drive, I think it was through the middle or or I can't remember to a certain side, he would get doubled, and so instead the next time he, you know, he he was going to drive, pivots his dribble, stops, and then the other guy came in on him. And he was able to leave a nice bounce pass for an easy layup. Just stuff like that where Donovan, you know, sometimes you're just trying to figure out what they're doing. I just wish it would be quicker to figure it out. Here's the other thing, Eric, is that we want to have, I mean, we talk about Donovan Mitchell being one of the more elite players in the NBA. The other problem is that elite players don't take three quarters to figure everything out and then play great in the fourth quarter. No, and that's a, that's a fair criticism. The, the, the best players, they come out and play their game, and other teams have to try to adjust to them rather than I'm going to wait to see what you do and then I'm going to turn it on once I get it figured out. So uh, I think he's getting there. Um, but yeah, he still has a little a little ways to go before uh, he just comes out and imposes his will and other teams have to try to figure out how to slow him down or adjust to what he's doing. But he's got great teammates and a good system that's there and other guys who can contribute and, and, uh, and make things happen. How about George Nyang? No, don't do this. How about your man, George Nyang? Don't. He had a blow-by from Zion. Zion Took it to the rack and flushed it. Zion didn't want to send him out of the league. Not just out of the G League, but out of the league itself. Ten points for George. A rebound and an assist. Wow. Come on, a little love. Stop it. I'm not, no. For George Nyang. No, I'm not showing love to George Nyang. Two for five from three. How many rims or how many misses graze the rim or did they all airball? Or did he hit the side of the backboard? Like, you think I dogged on Tony Bradley? <laughs> I, I I promise you, I will shred 
George Yang to pieces. He's I doing will. better. Hey, the other thing I want to ask about is Royce O'Neal. I know we've had this conversation quite a few times before, but at what point do you just say, you know what, offensively you're not doing it for us. We know you're a, you're supposed to be a defensive prime stopper, but I feel like a lot of times he was getting beat even on the on the defensive side of the ball. If Craig plays in that Denver game, I think the Jazz lose it, and they probably lose it by double digits. I just feel like we're not getting as much out of Royce O'Neal as we thought we would or we were hoping for or what people thought we were going to get from him. And I just, I mean, we got to make some kind of an adjustment there. I just don't know if he should be starting. Look, he didn't score against Detroit. I'm just looking at his last five games. Didn't score against Detroit. He did have eight rebounds and four assists. Um, he scored five against Cleveland, seven against Atlanta, eight against Denver, six against New Orleans. But he's also grabbing you know, six rebounds here, five assists four assists, two blocks, a steal. So he's doing other things while he's on the court. Uh, who do you replace him with? You put Joe Ingles in there in his place? <laughs> yeah, Joe's another Is goal. that going to help the team more? <laughs> Joe can score. I just can't play defense right now. But look, okay, here's the thing. Would you, would you rather have Rose O'Neal get just, you know, have his shoes lit on fire by somebody and then not be able to score on the other end? Or would you rather have Joe get his shoes lit on fire, but he could score on the other end? I mean, we're going to get the same result defensively, but a more productive result offensively. Uh, I'd probably rather have Royce. I I think Royce can do more things defensively than Joe can. And uh, that allows the other guys to do what they do best offensively. I mean, they do things defensively too, and I'm not. I think Joe has a certain knack and certain ability, uh, and a veteran craftiness with his defensive skills that really frustrate and bother players in the NBA. I think he has a certain level of of ability, but I think that Royce still is the better option between the two of them. What I'd like to see, I'd like to see a little more Mieoni to see if he could be oh, I like that yes. other option. And I think Huge Quinn's fan. giving him more minutes with other main players, other starters, to see how he reacts in those moments. And it hasn't looked bad, but he has to be able to score too, to your point. Royce, good defender, but he has to be able to contribute offensively too. Mieoni, he's got to build that confidence that he can do that too. 6294, I'm sorry I missed your text message. My apologies. Uh, he says the Lakers have four losses, and he is right. So I'll get to those standings in just a bit, but thank you for the correction. I greatly appreciate that. 9463 also text in. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this, he asked. So in terms of depth, you obviously want to draft guys, and then there's this semi-lengthy process of developing them into the players you want them to be. At what point do you move off a guy or off of a guy uh, because they're not producing and exchange their potential value for a league veteran who can produce immediately. For example, Dante Exum and his potential for Jordan Clarkson and his immediate production, but well-established ceiling, and uh, end quote on the question. Great question, 9463. Uh, here's my thing. Uh, veterans help. George Hill and Joe Johnson were a major contributor in the Jazz playoff uh, or getting into the playoffs and then beating the Clippers in seven games. Those yes. two guys were an absolute huge factor in that, and if you don't see that, then you're blind as a bat. Yep. Uh, but then you see like young guys like Donovan Mitchell, right, and what he's been able to do in his four years. 
what Rudy Gobert is able to transcend to. Um, I think Oni's going to be another guy who we're going to end up really liking in the future. And and here's the thing with Dante Exum, and this is just the gospel according to Ajay. But Eric, I felt like Dante Exum was given so many chances and just never understood. Uh, what his assignment on the court was, or would get lost on the defensive side of the ball, or would or be, just couldn't stay healthy, or and couldn't stay healthy, and but then was a maniac on the offensive side of the ball, where you just like, what are you doing? Where are you going with that dribble? Why are you dribbling into the baseline with a double coming at you? Why are you dribbling with a guy coming back to you on the weak side? He's ready to take the ball. Like just the turnovers he had were just stupid. But then you'd see these really, really slim and rare glimpses of Dante Exum and what he could be. At his full potential. And we just didn't see it enough. And I think the Jordan Clarkson trade might be one of the greatest, <laughs> might be one of the greatest, uh, or at least recent, best trades for the Jazz in recent memory. Yeah, I, I think it's um, it, it's got to be up there near the Jeff Hornacek type level. Yeah, that was the other one I was thinking but, about. But uh, yeah. the Hornacek trade got the Jazz to the NBA Finals. Clarkson hasn't helped get the Jazz there yet. But, um, you know, most of you look at the Jazz roster. The vast majority of that roster is all homegrown talent. Even when you look favors coming back, he was a homegrown talent. George Nyang, Joe Ingles, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Royce O'Neal. I mean, you just go down the list. Uh, the but to the point where uh, it, it is a balancing act. I think every coach has to try to figure this out. You have your own talent you're going to develop. And I think it's not just coaches, but general managers too, because there's a certain financial consideration too. Veterans command a certain level of financial commitment that a two- or three-year star that you've been working on and developing on don't. It's not, it's not the same. But a veteran has certain abilities, understanding the league and, and what happens in certain critical situations. So there's a give and a take. Uh, at the end of the day, you have to manage your finances as a as a franchise. The Jazz are actually one of the have one of the most expensive payrolls in the NBA. So I think it's tough to to just say we're going to develop a guy and then ship him off to get a veteran. Uh, you have to have some level of if you're a franchise like the Jazz. You have to have some level of, of development within your own program. You're not going to be like the Lakers where you can just wholesale swap out your roster every other year because you've got all these other players who want to make it a destination. The Jazz just don't have that luxury. All right, we got to take a break. Coming back, uh, actually, before we take the break, really quickly, we want to run through uh, the standings. Again, Jazz Pelicans tonight, 8 o'clock on TNT inside of Vimmer Smart Home Arena. Uh, the other games tonight will be a really good one. Lakers, Milwaukee. Lakers are 11-4, Milwaukee 9-5. That game is on TNT. That's a 5-30 slate in Milwaukee. And then, of course, the Knicks and Golden State Warriors. Golden State 8-6, Knicks 7-8. That's at 8 p.m. Uh, Mountain Time. Uh, and then currently in the standings, Sixers uh, lead the Eastern Conference at 10-5. Bucks, Celtics, Pacers. Uh, Bucks at 9-5. Celtics and Pacers are eight and five. Nets, Cavaliers, and Hawks and Knicks. Knicks again at seven and eight uh, in the eighth place. Hawks and Cavaliers uh, seven and seven each, and then the Brooklyn Nets are nine and seven. So that's your top eight in the Western Con- Eastern Conference. In the Western Conference, Clippers are at eleven and four. Uh, Lakers are at eleven and four. Jazz are ten and four. Suns are eight and five. 
The Warriors and Blazers are at eight and six. The Memphis Grizzlies are at seven and six, and the San Antonio Spurs are at eight and seven. That's your top eight out of the Western Conference uh, so far. Going into tonight's slate of basketball games, again only three games on tonight: uh, Pelicans, Jazz, Lakers, Milwaukee, and New York Knicks and Golden State Warriors. All right, well, full court press coming up. Don't forget, we'll also have our pick six. We'll get into the Aggies and Rams game two. Can the Aggies get a sweep? Look at the bracketology. Where does a lot of brackets have the Utah State Aggies? Where, how many teams of the Mount West Conference do these brackets have uh, from the conference representing the NCAA 68-team tournament? Uh, and we'll also look, I guess, a quick look at the Region 11 basketball, uh, which uh, occurred last night. And if you ever missed any games, you need a right recap, or you want to listen to Friday night's games, go to cashvalleydaily.com, go to the sports bar, go to the local high school sports uh, page menu, and you'll find everything that you need to know and even the streams themselves. So, uh, again, that's CashValleyDaily.com. You're listening to 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and A.J. Salveson. Conference Player of the Year. It's Keta, and it's by a wide mile right now. Ahead of Alston? Yes, but Alston's got help. He's got a lot of help around him. I mean, I'm not saying that Keta doesn't have help around him. Ked is a big reason why this team, and I'm proving your point from yesterday. So don't I was say just going to ask, say, who, who did you say was no, your MVP? Stop, Ashworth. You said Anderson. I said Ashworth. You said Alfonso I got the receipts, Eric. Weekdays from 4 to 6, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Hi, Fan, Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franz and Jose South here on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, or 106.9thefan.com, or if you have the mobile app, the 106.9thefan mobile app, and uh, carrying us around wherever you are, the grocery store, the car shop, where else would you be? Um, Eating sledding. food? Sledding. 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 Yeah. Okay. Building a snowman. Building a snowman. Okay, yeah, listening to us while you're building a snowman. That, that, that sounds actually kind of fun. Yeah. Yep. Anywhere and everywhere you Eating are. Eating stale popcorn. Oh, dude, by the way, I know you left that for a certain individual. I'm going to laugh if I come in tomorrow and you're going to be like, well, guess you walked in and uh, shared some of their stale popcorn with me. And he has it in the same bucket. <laughs> <laughs> it has its own bag that says fresh on it. <laughs> That's so bad. Hey, if you want to be a part of the show, 435-339-0321. Again, 435-339-0321. I text and hey, um, interesting. There's been some interesting NFL head coaching hires. Uh, the new Detroit Lions coach, Dan Campbell. Uh, he God, had, did you hear about his introductory press yeah, conference that's today? Where, that's where we're going with this. My word. Okay, so by the way, his opening statement was Craig Smith-esque. It was 19 minutes long. <laughs> That's Craig Smith-esque on steroids, I should say. Uh, he was intense. He was passionate. He referenced the big Lebowski when introducing himself. Talked about, you know, we're going to be a team that's going to bite kneecaps, which I'm sure is already happening in the NFL under those big dog piles. Uh, he says, quote, this place has been kicked, been bruised. I could sit up here and give you coach speak all day long. 
I can give you, hey, we're going to win this weekend. None of that matters, and you guys don't want to hear that anyway. You've heard enough of my crap and or that crap, and uh, excuse my language, he says. Uh, crap's a bad word in Detroit. Uh, he says that the, uh, the team's going to take on the identity of this city, being Detroit. Uh, that it's been down, it's been found, and it's found a way to get up. Like, he, he's saying all these, you know, really great and glowing things about the city of Detroit, but he's then also saying, look, you don't have to believe me. I mean, I'm going to do it, though, but you don't have to believe me. And it's like, dude, just make up your mind already. <laughs> hey, these these have been some interesting NFL head coaching hires. Like, Philadelphia, by the way, they just hired their head coach, and it's Nick Sarani, by the way, who is formerly of the Mount Union Purple Raiders. That's where I served part of my mission is in Ohio in that area. Mount Purple Union Raiders, or Mount Union Purple Raiders. Uh, very, he was a part of a winning team there, and now he finds himself uh, on staff with the Philadelphia Eagles as their head coach. Just some of the names you're hearing. It's do you think uh, coaches that they're looking for that these teams want aren't as attracted to the NFL as maybe ten or fifteen years ago? I mean, why? I mean, I'm not sure I follow. Okay, sorry. Like, so, what do you mean? Like Dan Campbell, right? Where did he come from? I nobody. I I had never heard of Dan Campbell. Honestly, I didn't. And maybe I just didn't do my homework. Or Nick Sarani. I didn't know who that was until I did some research on the guy. But like uh, Brian uh, Dabble, uh, who was formerly of New England, Alabama, and then a Buffalo. Does uh, he? He didn't get a job. Uh, I'm I'm just I don't know I just kind of wonder if that well, su- that some of these higher up or well known coaches in in the college football ranks or maybe well known offensive coordinators Josh McDaniels or these other higher offensive defensive coordinator coaches are just like this like an NFL head coaching job just does not attract me at all. Well, we we've talked about this a lot, just especially. Um in the context of Urban Meyer's decision to go to the NFL, where th- there was a big trend where college coaches would leave their posts at, at the good college locations to go to the NFL. There was an allure there. You'd get paid more. You don't have to worry about recruiting. You just go focus on football. Um, but then it's it's kind of shifted where college coaches earn as much or more than a lot of NFL coaches. And so it's a very attractive position to stay with the college deal, and you get 20 first-round draft picks every year. So it's very different. Um, And just the motivations why you choose one or the other, it's not quite as clear, cut and dry anymore as it it used to be. So I think what's happening now is that um, the NFL is looking at uh, who are coordinators that can be elevated. Who are guys that are within our system, within the NFL system, who understand the NFL culture, who um, it, it's their time for to uh, to take a shot at being a head coach, rather than going to proven um, you know, college coaches, or by going to retreads, which has always been one of my big criticisms, is going to let's go hire somebody who's been a head coach who's failed three other places, but gosh, fourth time's going to be the charm yeah, for us. That's a great point. They're not doing yeah. that anymore, Love thank that. goodness. Love that. And then, of course, another NFL news uh, today, Dwayne Haskins has signed a one-year contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Weird. Why? Okay, good for him. Maybe I, a change of venue is going to help him, but why, I don't dude, understand wh- Pittsburgh's wh- motivation. What's, yeah, exactly. What's Pittsburgh thinking? I mean, and is Ben Roethlisberger – 
thing? I mean, does that mean he's playing for another year? Like, that's just a weird, weird signing for a guy who can't keep it together and makes has made some bad off-field decisions, put the Texans in a world of hurt as well. Uh, by the way, Mahomes is still practicing ahead of the AFC title game. I would expect him to play, right? I mean, it's the AFC championship game. There's no way he doesn't play. Well, it's about protocols, and what doesn't matter what he wants or what Andy Reid wants. It's about passing certain protocols. He's passed some, which allow him to participate in some level of practices. Uh, he's making good progress, but he hasn't been 100% cleared as of yet. But it, but based on his current trajectory, he should be good to go. Uh, Patrick's GM, Ted Thompson, has passed away at the age of 68. He's the guy who picked Aaron Rodgers in the 2005 NFL Draft. That's, man, That's if there's, any, if there's anything that the Packers are going to be grateful to Mr. Thompson for, it's for picking Aaron Rodgers at the 24th pick in the NFL draft when how many other teams just kept skipping over him. Well, and a gutsy call, too, because Brett Favre was there and he was still a good co- uh, quarterback at the time. Man, sounds really familiar to me. A very <laughs> similar situation with the exact same team. My question for you really quickly, uh, Aaron Rodgers is making it work right now with without, quote-unquote, as he liked to put it before the season, first-round talent, putting it nicely. Uh, do you think Aaron Rodgers, I mean, with the way this team is playing, and if they can win the NFC Championship at home against Tampa Bay, you think he sticks around for a couple more years? Does that entice him to say, hey, look, things are okay, we're going to be all right, see, Aaron, you can make it work with second-rounders. Does that kind of take the salt off the situation? I, I think he can. Um it was it was interesting listening to to uh, Colin Coward earlier today about this topic that uh, the the NFC doesn't have very many great quarterbacks anymore. What I mean, Drew Brees is going to retire. Okay, okay, true. Tom Brady is who knows when he's going to retire, but it, eventually he is. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers still has some prime years left in him. You maybe have Russell Wilson in Seattle as another good quarterback. Beyond that, there aren't very many good dynamic quarterbacks in the NFC. So he still has an opportunity to be a, a, a successful quarterback with a good team. And I think he's still got several more years if he wants it. Now, that's okay, the big so thing, if he wants it. But I think that the pathway is there for him to have success for several more years in Green Bay. A sudden over-under. Jordan Love takes his first regular season NFL snap. I'll set the over-under at three and a half years. I take the under. I take the over. Just, I mean, Rodgers is still in great that's shape. A, that's a long time. I mean, there's going to be a time where there's an injury or a blowout, and he's going to come in and have to take a few snaps. Now, uh, if you want to put set the over-under on Jordan Love as a starter... That might be a little bit different, but coming in and taking a snap, I would definitely take the under on that. Uh, and then, of course, finally, the Minnesota Vikings, as you heard by the top of the hour, uh, will be looking for their sixth offensive coordinator since 2014. Oh, my this word. This one in replace of Gary Kubiak. He's retired for the second time in the last four years. Uh, he tired the first time, and again, he's setting health concerns. Uh, following the 2016 season where he uh, won- was the uh, head coach of the Denver Broncos. He led them to a Super Bowl uh, in uh, a Super Bowl 50 win over the Carolina Panthers. He's the only person in the NFL history to have played in the Super Bowl and later won it as a head coach with the same team. Now, that's impressive. Uh, Yuri Kubiak, though, is uh, is stepping down. He was also 
um, with the Broncos, Ravens, Texans, and 49ers. Jeez, he was everywhere. Yeah, he's got. A, he's had a very long, well-traveled career. 36 years as a coach and a player total in his time in the NFL. Hey, we talked about Hall of Famers. Is he a Hall of Famer? Gary Kubiak? Yeah. Not first ballot, of course, but down the road. 36 years in the NFL. Uh, and by the way... That's a really good question. I, did he win a Super Bowl with the Ravens? I want to uh, say he did. I can't remember. I'll have to Ravens? look that up. Yeah. Uh, I think because he was the offensive coordinator there. I want to say yes, but I might be wrong. I need to do some research on that one. Do it, coordinators and position coaches... Get inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, uh, uh, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it's well, a long career. It's great, but yeah, it's true. Uh, I, most of that has been as a coordinator. As a coordinator, yeah, that's true. Yeah, one year he won his Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. He's like, you know what, we're done, and then came back and and then he says, you know what, I see where this team's going and I don't like it. I'm out. <laughs> I'm done, dude. Sixth offensive coordinator. Am I right again for Minnesota? Uh, how many? It's yeah, six offensive coordinator since 2014. Yeah, that that's insane. That's not good. How can any quarterback so unhealthy gain traction with that? Jeez. Oh, All right, let's go ahead and take our final break of the hour. That's right, our final break of the hour already, and then we'll get back. We'll clean up the first hour. Get you ready for uh, Aggie Rams game two talk. We'll also get into our pick six. It's all coming up on the full court press. Eric Franson, AJ Salveson, 1069 The Fan. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. The Full Court Press, Eric Franson, AJ Salveson here, winding down the first out. What's that look for? I'm ready for you. Okay, okay, calm down there. Uh, let's go quickly through some Region 11 basketball that occurred last night. Ridgeline over Bear River. At Bear River, by the way, 78-68, Riverhawks continue to roll in Region 11 play. Speaking with Skyview in a uh, in a good one over Logan, 70-60 to 60 is your final score. In fact, Skyview limited Logan to six points in the third quarter, outscored him 20-6. And then Logan returned the favor by scoring 21-11, to 11, uh, but it was just too much or guys too little too late, and Skyview getting 70-60 to 60 over Logan. Good. Uh, Logan's going to be a good basketball team. I've been standing up for the last two years. Stick with it. I think Logan Brown's got something good. Well, over. that Skyview defense really shut down Penniker. Oh, so good. Who's their their best player? So, um, their that that Skyview defense is very strong, really good. They're they have a huge size advantage. Uh, they're playing really well. Um, and then the Green Canyon and, and Mountain Crest give. I have to give a lot of props to that Mountain Crest team. They've had a couple several games here where they've they've kind of struggled finding themselves, and they were in that game. They were up by 15. And they had a good lead. Uh, they just weren't able to hang on, unfortunately. Uh, but I think if they can just fine-tune a few things, man, they're, they're so close to being there and being competitive with everybody else in the league. But after last week, where every game was a blowout on Friday, all these games last night were competitive yeah. and close. Yeah. Again, final score, Green Canyon 50, Mountain Crest 41. So your standings now look like this. Skyview and Ridgeline are still undefeated in region play, albeit just two games. They're at 2-0. and Logan, Green Canyon are 1-1. and Bear River, Mountain Crest are 0-2. Skyview on the season, 9-3. and Ridgeline, 7-7 and in uh, in uh, overall play. Grizzlies are 9-3. and Green Canyon's 8-6. and Bear River, 7-6. and And Mountain Crest is a lowly 2-10. and Yeah, that uh, Ridgeline team kind of struggled in the early part of the season. 
They didn't have Caden Cox. Uh, they played a really tough non-conference or non-region schedule. And But now Cox is back. They're starting to get a bit of a rhythm here. And uh, they're playing some really good basketball, so watch out for Ridgeline. Skyview has that height and that strong defense. Logan playing some really good basketball as well. It's going to be fun to see how this continues to play out in region play. Green Canyon with a nice bounce back for them too. Game of the night, uh, tomorrow night, is going to be at Skyview Bobcat Genesian. That's where Ridgeline and Skyview will go ahead and slug it out again. That will be a good one. That's a 7 o'clock again at Skyview. Logan will be at Green Canyon, another good basketball game. And then the two teams at the bottom of the cell right now, it'd be Bear River and Mountain Crest. They'll be at Mountain Crest. If you want to find any of these games, recaps, photos, and all, you go to cashvalleydaily.com. What you need to do is go to the sports bar. You have the local uh, bas- high school basketball schedule. There's the streams. That's how you can find the games on your radio station. Yeah, that schedule is old, by the way. So don't pay close attention to that don't schedule. Don't go to cashvalleydaily.com. Go to, to cashvalleydaily. Just don't go to the schedule. <laughs> I don't know why that hasn't been updated after a couple different requests. But. <laughs> uh, we'll get there. Game but, recaps. But you do have like photo, photo galleries. galleries. The photo galleries are awesome too. I sometimes wonder, I'm like, I bet that kid got a shot block. Just the way you could, you know, the still frame. I can see what the result of the play is by the incredible still frame. And there's a story that we put up there uh, earlier in the week about the RPI rankings. It has the full schedule for this week for both the boys and the girls. And not just Region 11 either. We include Preston, Box Elder, Bear Lake, Malad. And then how you can follow along when those games are going to happen and which games are going to be on the radio or streaming online. And we have all those links available on Cash Valley Daily. Aggies Rams game two. We're going to get into the preview keys and predictions of tonight's game. Again, it's a nine o'clock one. So get a nap in, a nice late snack as well. We'll also get into our picks. It's all coming up on the full court press on 1069 The Fan. Thanks, Jinxie. You care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Second hour of the Full Court Press. I had that thing all the way up. Oops. Uh, Eric France and Ajay Salveson here, 501 year tip-off time. 1069 FM 1390 AM. It's also 1069thefan.com or carrying us on your mobile device on the 1069 the Fan mobile app. Thanks for joining us, however, wherever you're doing so. A lot to get through in the second hour as we got Aggies, Aggies, Aggies. They face they uh, take on the Rams in game two of their series. The Aggies looking to continue their just dominance in the Mountain West Conference and improve to a very uh impressive 12-0 mark in conference play. And then uh, twelve, and if they win with the win, it'll be twelve and three uh, in overall play. Now, how good would that look on the brackets? We'll get to that as well. We'll analyze where they're at in the brackets. A few others, a few to look at, and uh, why they're in that spot and how they can increase their uh, their position uh, in the seating. Again, don't forget, all sixty-eight teams are in one state, one spot in Indianapolis, uh, where the first four, I guess the last, I don't even know what it's called, the first four, the last four, whatever it is. Will be in the uh, first four Banker's Life for the uh, first four little dance. Do you like that, by the way? That first four thing. Um, I'll be honest. I never really watch it. Me neither. Because I just unless well, there's a Mountain West team, and I might feign some interest. But for all intents and purposes, the tournament begins on that Thursday. Yeah. Yep. And the first four is just a chance to get expand the pool a little bit. I like it. Uh, but it you, kind of bothers me because it doesn't give you enough time to oh, study and fill out your bracket. Heck no, no. Oh, don't, oh, jeez. Uh, 
You thinking about the bracket? Yeah. The taxpayers? No. No one cares about the bracket. Because, uh, you, hey, by the way, okay. oh, hey, wait, no, time out. We all care about the bracket. I forgot. We have that really cool, uh, we had that cool thing contest uh, a couple years back. Would have done it again this year, but or this past year, but unfortunately COVID hit and couldn't do it. Yeah, that's right. Can we have a competition bracket between you and I? Yeah. And if I win, I don't want you to give me some crappy pick six gift of pom-poms in a lighthouse that has the light that just well, not whoa. even installed. Wait a minute. No, don't I gave me. you an awesome pick six gift. What? You gave me pom-poms? Yeah. Pom-poms, a little uh, uh, old main that lights up blue, and I, some uh, blue popcorn. You took... You took your six-year-old kid's gift and brought it into the building and gave it to me. I thought, you know what? Ajay loves the Aggies. This is something that he would appreciate. Rather than running to the convenience store and grabbing some chintzy you know, uh, candy bar saying, here you go, I thought, no, I'm going to give him something that has a little more thought. Okay, well, something he'll okay, appreciate. No, listen, there is a reason why I texted you while you were at lunch. It was to bring me some food, not go to your home and steal your six-year-old kid's project and bring it over to me. And you stole her pom poms, dude. I gotta get. I those did back. not steal your pom poms. You stole her pom poms. I don't have a no. I didn't steal anybody's pom poms. Liar, liar. And I'm trying to like. Display them nicely on your desk and you like rip them out of my hands. Oh, no, I was trying the, the, to do my job. Then you took my. I was trying to do my work. The blue popcorn and you throw it into the garbage. Oh, wait. The popcorn? The disrespect oh, is real. You mean the blue popcorn that you took out of the trash and handed to me right there, where even a certain individual watched you do it and was even disgusted himself? That wrapped, same popcorn. It was wrapped in cellophane. It was totally safe. Cellophane? You don't even know what that is. It's completely safe. Horrible. Aggies Rams game two tonight. Nine o'clock is the game time. I hate nine o'clock games. I honestly, I just think they're the worst idea ever. It's on uh, FS1. It is on FS1. No uh, one on the East Coast will be watching. No, nobody will, and nor should they. They should go to bed. Honestly, I. I mean, look, we love our Aggies because you know, and I think the West Coast will probably watch it, but. I mean, it's it's 11 o'clock in New York. Go to bed. Get some rest. Sleep. Aggies are favored by eight going into this game. They were favored by eight going into the first one. Uh, they ended up winning it by 19. Um, I still take. I still like Utah State in the over, but I think this will be a closer contest. It's been proven. Game one, Aggies win by double digits. Game two, it's a closer game. Uh, that's patterned in every single Mountain West Conference game they've had. Uh, I think the Aggies still win by double digits, but I think it's closer to 10 to 12. If you want to text into the show, 435-339-0321. Again, 435-339-0321. Eric, t- talk to me about these back-to-back games, two games in three days against the same team. You mentioned it, you know, that first game. Uh, you look at the San Diego State Series. The first game, Utah State was rolling in that one. Uh, the second game, they get off to a slow start. They trail by 10.5, have to make a run of it in the second half, and end up pulling away to beat the uh, Aztecs 64-59. What, why is it so difficult in Game 2 than in Game 1 for a team who had won Game 1? Well, I think it's just familiarity. Uh, there's no travel that's involved for, for either team. You, you just saw them. You have time to get in the gym. 
and uh, look at film. It's fresh on everybody's mind. Okay, look, this this is what we did last time that, that worked. So let's build on that. This is what didn't work. It's a quickly an opportunity to to correct it. So, um, and I think when you're the home team, uh, especially if there's not a lot of fans, I don't know that it's as much of an advantage. I mean, you still have the advantage, but uh, it's negated a little bit more, I think, in that, in that second game. Again, Utah State's undefeated in Mount West play for the first time in school history. It's off to its best start in league play since the 2010-11 season when the Aggies started the WAC season at, Eric, 11-0. and The Aggies have a chance to move past that. They're 35-9 in Mount West Conference play overall. Uh, they have the best home record of any team in Mount West play, duh, at least in the last three years at 20-2. and two. Uh, the, the big marks for me and the guys I've really enjoyed watching so far this season – Ked has been a monster. Marco Anthony is getting it done. Uh, and, and Ashworth coming off the bench has been a huge, huge help. Yeah, and they're going to need those contributions again tonight. Um, that bench play is, is going to need to be really important. Uh, Colorado State isn't a big team, so they're going to try to use their guard play to their advantage. And so the, the Utah State guards, Marco Anthony, Stephen Ashworth, Raleigh Worcester, those guys are ha- will have to be on point, um, quick to their spots defensively, not allow them clean, open looks from three. Uh, I expect to see Colorado State running a lot of staggered screens, uh, multiple screen sets to try to get their guys open and clean looks. So there may need to be a lot of switching and and rotating to close out on guys. Um, And how Colorado State takes advantage of that, if Utah State's not right on point, that that may provide some open looks on other parts of the floor. So Utah State's going to have to be mindful of that especially if, if Keta is going to have to come out and guard on the perimeter a little bit more. Uh, 9474 text in. Let's petition to have the Boise State-Utah State games push back to be the final games on the schedule. That's going to be a big finale. We all want to see without a doubt, but here's the oh, problem. no question. Is that the, uh, the Boise State's in a really hard rock spot right now with that final portion of the schedule. They go to Colorado State, they go to Nevada, but then they end with Utah State at home and then San Diego State on the road. If you're Boise State, in fact, let me ask you, 9474, and I know we have another, or 2787 as well. We got some Boise State fans, which is absolutely fine. Love to have them on the show. Uh, but let me ask you, Boise State fans, would you rather have Utah, or San Diego State on the road before Utah State at home or Utah State at home and then San Diego State on the road? I know it doesn't make sense to you or, or talks to you, maybe, but I, I mean, for Boise State fans, wouldn't you rather like get that Utah State series over with so you know where you stand going into San Diego State? Because that San Diego State or that Utah State-Boise State series will probably end up being what decides the Mount West Conference based on where San Diego State's at. Uh, 5763, hey, give Brock Miller some props. His three-point percentage had improved to nearly 42% up from about 30 last year. Hey, look, I'm all about Brock Miller right now. When he's got it going, we said this yesterday? When Brock Miller's got it going, he had six threes the other night. It spreads this offense out, and it is an incredible threat, and it is tough to stop. The problem is, is I need a consistent Brock Miller. Well, he's been fairly consistent for these last five, six games. Yeah, in fact, certainly stepped up his game um, the last two or three to a to a whole other level. But but he's been pretty consistent to this. This conference play, uh, he struggled a little, a little bit earlier in the year, um, in the first couple of games and a few games in non-conference. But 
Uh, he's in a groove right now, and it's awesome. Uh, 9474 says, I would first like to have Standing with State on the road. I believe they're completely overrated, and it's bullcrap how much they are getting uh, or how much love they are getting, especially over USU. I think that's going to change. I, I honestly think San Diego State's going to slip up again. Right, I, I think they are a little And they don't overrated. have Matt Mitchell, right, for the yeah, next Matt two weeks? Yeah, Matt Mitchell is out this, this week. This week and next week as well. And maybe out next week, depends on... According to Ross I mean, the Stein. early prognosis was he was going to be out two weeks. Yep. By the way, how about Boise State last night when they were trailing and could not get anything going offensively? They turned on the Jets and went on a stunning run. Uh, it was 25 to... Actually, it was a 35 to run to end the game, and they win by 22 points. They didn't lead until nine and a half remaining in that game, and they won by 22 points. That's their, thir- that's their 13th strength win. Uh, they're 13 and one overall. Of course, they're still undefeated in Mount West play. Broncos are a scary, scary basketball team. And if there's anybody in the league that matches up in every single category and is like equal to them in every facet of the basketball game, it's Boise State. Like that is going to be a brutal matchup for the Aggies. Yeah, I I think that if I'm Boise, I'd probably rather have uh, uh, Utah State at oh. their house. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Trade those three. Yeah. The, the trade the three games and yeah. yeah I'd, I'd rather have uh, Utah State when push comes to Boise, shove. You'll take that and then the go to Viejas because I don't I don't think San Diego State. I mean, they're a good team, but um, I think Boise State's much better than Utah, I think Boise State, State is more well rounded. Absolutely. Uh, that game last night for Boise State in Fresno. The Bulldogs, give them some credit. If if you break that down by quarters, essentially they played them even through three quarters. Mm-hmm. And in the fourth quarter, Boise State locked them down defensively to some degree. Fresno State had their own faults there. Oh, absolutely. But the Broncos turnovers. just were, were really good, efficient uh, offensively. Uh, Fresno State went, what, five minutes without scoring any points at all? Yeah. I mean, some of that's <laughs> Boise... A lot of that's Fresno, um, but man, against a, an elite team, you cannot do that. Well, and 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 Boise nine four seven four brings this up about the Broncos that they shot something like nine percent from three in the first half, and Eric they only trailed by three going into half. That's incredible, and that's got. I mean, if you're Fresno State, you're like, huh, well, we played well, but we're only up three a half. I mean, it just. And if you're Boise State, you're confident that you're going to turn things around. It did take another what eleven and a half minutes, give or take. But once they got it going, they they were tough to beat. Hey, going back to Utah State, Eric, uh, they're one of only three teams in the nation, in the nation, averaging more than 75 points per game without an individual player averaging more than 13 points per game. UC Irvine and Tennessee are the two other teams, and Utah State's second in the Mount West in scoring offense at 78.5 points per game, despite having only one player in the top 20 in scoring. And do you know what, you know who that is? Uh, no. It is Nimish Keta at just under 12 points per game. Oh, okay. Uh, Eric, the balance of this offense is just so well-rounded. And we talked about it yesterday. You still want a guy who can come in when you're in a drought, a guy who can, who can come in and just be confident within himself and score buckets. But right now, the balance of this scoring and how well-rounded this team is offensively is really, really impressed me. Yeah, me too. Um, it, it's not just all on one guy's shoulders. Uh, multiple guys are are lifting up and uh, doing their part. Guys off the bench playing really well. It, it illustrates that there is depth for Utah State. It's not a short rotation. It's not just you know seven guys. 
you can go eight, nine guys, um, sometimes 10 to really help your team. So uh, I, I like the depth of this Utah State squad and, uh, and how Coach Smith and, and his coaching staff has really prepared them for what they're doing right now. Utah State is, uh, according to Ken Pomeroy, they are the number, what is it, the um, number six defense in the country. The sixth best defense in the country. That that is elite level defense. San Diego State was ranked 20th. So Utah State got past the 20th ranked defense. So that speaks to their offensive ability too. They're able to do enough offensively to get through that and counter what they were doing defensively. So uh, really good Utah State team, well balanced. But this Colorado State team is still a good team. I think they're still well coached. Um, they're going to make some adjustments that Utah State's not going to plan for. What so how well do they do counter you, and how well do they make their own adjustments? Uh, what adjustments do you make if you're Colorado State, offensively and defensively for I you, think Eric? Offensively, more, and we talked about this the other day, I think that uh, you run more pick and roll, try to get Keta away from the basket, force him to come out and uh, on somebody that's not Roddy so that Roddy is free in the post. Um, uh, and then... Pr- Try to run your shooters through more screens to get them open, to get them good looks. If you can start raining threes, Colorado State's going to feel rhythm and momentum, and it's going to be hard to slow them down. So I think pick and roll, draw Keta away from the basket, get Roddy more uh, more uh, availability in the post away from Keta, and then get more open looks from your from your guards and your shooters. Defensively, uh, I, I think that uh, you know, they're going to have to try to uh, kind of similar push Keta away from the basket. Don't let him get so low in the post, um, and then just chase the Aggie shooters all over the place. Take away, get in the passing lanes, and take away their looks. Yeah, and then I think for the like I said for the Aggies, just a scrappy defense, right? And just play bully basketball. I mean, offensively. Uh, you know, get after him, get to the lane, draw a foul. You're going to get foul calls. It's, I don't think you're going to see another game like the San Diego State game one ref the way that was again the rest of the season. I just maybe in Boise State, but I think it's going to be, I don't think it'll be the same for both games. Get after him, get to the line, draw some fouls, especially for Raleigh. You know, look, if your shot's not falling, go to the hole, get to the line, have a chance to shoot some free throws, get yourself in rhythm, and then you're on your way. I mean, that kid's a heck of a ball player, he's a great shooter. Just, I mean, it's going to take one or two shots. Maybe he hits something in somebody's grill, and he's going to be off and running. And if you put him and Ashworth on the same court at the same time, like, have mercy on you, Colorado. I, I'm praying for you because it's going to get really <laughs> ugly really quickly when those guys are on the court, and they're both rolling offensively. I just think they're too good. Uh, and then uh, in league play, by the way, Utah State and Colorado State are second and third in scoring offense. Uh, I think uh, Colorado, excuse me, Utah State's averaging around 78.5 points per game, and then Colorado State's averaging 78.3 points per game. Uh, the teams are so close in field goal percentage uh, that, that the Rams are second in the Mount West, shooting at 48.5%. The Aggies are third at 48.1%. I mean, these two teams just shoot it so well. The thing about it, though, is that a lot of shots were challenged by call, by Utah State, and they just... I mean, they caught fire in the second half, but they had trouble getting good looks in the first half. Yeah, they did. I thought Utah State did a really good job of taking away the spacing, 
They were quick on, on you know, chasing their defenders through the screens, and so by the time they caught the ball to turn around to get a look at the basket, somebody was there on their face um, and uh, didn't give them much space or good open looks. So uh, I thought that um, once the Aggies started to pull away, uh, Colorado State was able to, to get a little bit more loose in what they are trying to do, but uh, in the end it didn't really matter. Uh, and Kenneth and Bean, by the way, are, along with Roddy, are the three of the top five leading rebounders in the Mount West Conference. Kenneth ranks second with 10 rebounds per contest. Roddy third. Bean is fifth with seven and a half boards per game right now. Uh, I would imagine that's going to change after the end of this week. I think Ked is going to probably be one. And I would imagine Roddy's Roddy will probably move down to four or five, would be my guess. Yeah, big rebounding disparity in game one. Yeah, what was it? I can't remember what it was now. Uh, it was Utah State 44 to Colorado State's 25. <laughs> hey, and, and how many of those were offensive rebounds? For USU? Yeah. USU had 13. Colorado State had four. It's unreal. I, I think after the first half, Colorado State did not have an offensive rebound, if I, if I remember right. I think all four came in the second half. So, um, and they went on that little run, and I think that's where they got a couple of them as well. So, I uh, another thing with this Utah State squad, uh, just on the offensive side of the ball, what we've talked about it again at nauseum, but the ball movement has been so good. I mean, a good shot is passed up for a better shot, and it's it's happened a lot. The key is not to get too unselfish. But I just think the ball movement has been crisp. They know where they're going with it before they get it. They can see things before they're happening. Uh, I think Ked has been a great passer. We've seen that. We've talked about it a lot. Um, but the ball movement, Eric, is going to be key tonight to create open shots. Well, I think since the first half against San Diego State, uh, in that first half, they, Utah State was kind of late in the shot clock yeah. too many times. They weren't quite sure how to run the offense. They waited a little while before they get, finally got the ball down to the post through Keta. It's at halftime, Craig Smith said, why do we have to wait till Keta's in the low block before we get him involved <laughs> and engaged in the offense and what's going around? So after that and since then, they've been much more connected. That's that term we like to hear from Craig Smith uh, in how they're all involved in, in moving the offense around and getting guys involved. Uh, they've been much more efficient since then. We uh, haven't had very many late shot clock possessions since then. So I think that was a little bit of a wake-up call for USU. Um, and uh, they looked really good against Colorado State. We, on Tuesday, we said this is a team that would like to see a little bit more of an offensive showing uh, against the Rams, and they were able to do that. Uh, and I think they'll be able to do that again tonight. Hey, by the way, I just and this is courtesy of all Kyle Cottom. He's been wonderful. But the Aggies have hit the 1,000-point mark for the season. They're at 1,054. Their opponents combined in games, 830 points. <laughs> like, that's just, that's menacing. And, and the problem is, is, and we talked about it again already, but like you, you think you have a good look. I still remember in the Washington-Utah uh, State NCAA tournament game, and and talk and we talked about how good the defense would be for Washington. Like they play a two three zone, but the Aggies thought they were still going to get great looks throughout if they move the ball and and uh, and find the right guy. And I remember talking to Brito after the game and interviewing him uh, for you guys. And I remember his eyes were just wide, 
talking about the Washington defense. Like, you think you have an open look, and then you see a big Matisse Thibel hand right in your grill, and you're like, where is that coming from? And he, he just said it was so impressive. I honestly connect that Washington defense to this Aggies defense. That's a great Where they just I get think in a your great grill, comparison. and you don't know where it's coming from. And you think you have an open look, and then yet there's Marco, Brock, Ashworth, Raleigh, Heck, Keta sometimes can get out there. Bean's been a force as well. And you just can't get a clean look. And that has been the biggest issue for a lot of these teams, including San Diego State. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think that is a, great, a really good comparison looking at um, what uh, that Washington team looked like defensively compared to what this Utah State iteration this year is looking like. A lot of, uh, a lot of good comparisons with their quickness. I don't know that Utah State has a lockdown defender no. like Washington had in Thibel. No. But um, well, Bean? No. Um maybe, but Thibel could do it on the perimeter. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. That's I think a that's great maybe point. the bigger difference. And and Thibel's quick as I'll get out too. Holy smokes. <laughs> There's a reason why he's playing for the Sixers. Yeah. But he's oh yeah. I, I like this team and where they're at right now. My score prediction, if I were to, to look at this game, I think I, I've got Utah State 75 and Colorado State 63. Give me three keys for the Aggies for a win. Um, I think it's uh, using their size advantage and controlling rebounding. I think... Um, Limiting three clean three point shot attempts, and probably the third one. Um, just continue to play your style. Don't don't read the press clippings or listen to us talk about how good you are. Play with the chip on your shoulder. Yeah, yeah, and I think they talked about that in their post game press conference. You know, Keta and and Coach Smith. Start, look, it's one game at a time. Like these two games in three days can can be a whirlwind and can change in a hurry. Like, you know, you saw the San Diego State game. You kind of referenced to that, to Coach Smith. Um, that It's their fourth game in seven days. Yeah, yeah. And then, you're, and then by the way, you're on the road next week at UNLV, then at Fresno State, and then home and then back on the road. It's, it's brutal what you have to do with this schedule, but they're making the best of it, and they're playing extremely well right now. My, my final score prediction is going to be 77-53 Utah State. Mm, I just wow. think their defense has been phenomenal. I think offensively they'll they'll continue to shoot with confidence. They'll get good buckets. They'll get easy buckets. Um, I, I would I would definitely say um, that it's going to be a route for Utah State. Uh, 77-53 is my final score. 2787 text in. If you want to text in as well, 435-339-0321. What is your score prediction for the Aggies Rams game two tonight, and give me if you have a couple of keys, let's hear them as well. Uh, two seven eight seven. When Utah State and Boise State play, it will be a heck of a matchup, and should be a heck of a game. As for the game tonight, Utah State wins seventy one sixty seven. That'd be their Ooh. closest uh, win in conference play so far. Yeah, that'd be a close matchup. Wow, seventy one sixty seven. All right, I like it. I like it. Uh, again, 435-339-0321 if you want to text in with your prediction. And if you've got any keys for the Aggies, if they if they can get out of here with a win and prove to 12-0, and 0, which would be their best start, and pass the uh, WAC team of 10-11, uh, and 11, who started off at 11-0. and 0. Uh, So we touched on this a little bit earlier in the week, but uh, these things get updated and changed uh, day-to-day as games get played. So 
What are the national publications saying about the Aggies? Are they tournament bound? Have they put together enough of a resume yet? What are they saying about the other teams in the Mountain West Conference? Uh, what does Utah State still, what kind of work do they still have to do? So we'll discuss that coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Welcome. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Derek Franson, AJ Salveson here on the Full Court Press. Hey, did anybody waste more of their time and more of the people's money than Larry Scott did? Holy cow. Wow, that guy was came in with a lot of promise, but man, overrated. I'm so glad you reminded me uh, that uh, just off air that uh, uh, he, was, uh, he was being let go, the Pac-12 commissioner, and this is... I mean, is he is being let go or is he stepping coming. down? I think he's. Be, I think there was everybody at one point that said, "Dude, we got to get rid of this guy. Like this just isn't going to work." Failed Pac-12 network on t- on a television network. Uh, the controversy with the extravagant Pac-12 office space and all the money oh, yeah. that it cost. All the money for put that. into that. Yeah, just just a fiasco. Uh, I was reading, and they've been left behind. While other Power Five conferences have made advancements, the Pac-12 keeps slipping and slipping. There was a, and I gotta look for it now. Um, there was a quote that I have to read you that just blew my mind about Larry, and I think it tells you everything you need to know about Larry or Larry Scott. I said Larry Arbach. Uh, Larry Scott. Here, uh, let's see here. If I gotta find this now, doggone it. Um. But he talks about just how bored he was, it seemed like, about that he was in the position because it didn't fit to his needs. Uh, here it is. Here it is. Listen to this, Eric. This is from Larry Scott. Quote, over the last few years, there really haven't been those opportunities to grow and transform. It really hasn't, it hasn't really played to my strengths or interests or passions. There wasn't much for me to do in the area of transformation and growth until our TV rights come up, which is still three years from now. I didn't want to get stale, and I really like growing and having a chance to make a big impact, and college sports are changing. They're going in a different direction. I think it's a good thing for the league to get a new set of eyes and a new direction with a group of presidents that weren't around when I was hired. (laughs) What? Does that blow your mind? Wow. If it really hasn't, or to me, it hasn't really played to my strengths or interests or passions. So wait, time out. Time out. You're Why just, are you there? Yeah. So you're just sitting there playing Tetris on your phone <laughs> in your $5.5 million office because all the kids are playing a game that you don't like to play and you don't want to be there? Unreal. That is the Pac-12 commissioner. And that's why the Pac-12 is in the position it is in, because of Larry Scott. That just that blew my mind, dude. Yeah, it's it's he's so overdue to be gone. Yeah, and yeah, it should have happened a couple of years ago. How how they replace him will be really interesting. Amen. And I think there's gonna be, uh, I think there'll be better homework and research on who they want to replace as well. 
Hey, Eric, you teased it already. Uh, brackets are already starting to come out here and there and everywhere with games going on. It's being updated daily, weekly, hourly almost. Uh, and Utah State is involved in a lot of the brackets being seen. Yeah, the, the net rankings get updated every day because games happen every day. And Utah State is, has moved up. They're up to 41 in the latest net rankings. Boise State is at 14. I It blows my mind. I got to be honest. They're a good team, but... 14, but they've been in that area, 14 to 17 for weeks. Uh, San Diego State has dropped down to 48. Colorado State, uh, since uh, the they lost on Tuesday, they slipped to 63. So the net rankings are important. That's a lot of what the committee looks at to determine seeding and to determine what have you done, who did you play, who did you beat. But there's some other metrics, too, that are kind of interesting. Ken Pomeroy, and I know a lot of people look at him and, and his stats. Um, he's got Utah State at number 43, San Diego State at 42, Boise State, 54. Wow. Uh, wow. Colorado State at 82, and Nevada just on the outside of the top 100 at 109. But uh, Utah State, as we talked about earlier, the number six defense, effective defense with what they're doing, uh, a little surprised the offense is, isn't uh, as high as they're at 96. Um, but um, the uh, real-time RPI, Utah State at a 77. It's interesting how dis- uh, the disparities between some of these formulas. San Diego State at 17. Boise State at 40. Colorado State at 62. Utah State at 77. So really interesting how different some of these formulas are. So with all that being said, you know where, where are these being projected? These people that put together these different brackets, bracketology, trying to predict and guess. All right, so Ken Palm does his little uh, his little thing, and it's really well done as well. He has the Aggies as a first four, and I can't remember. This t- tournament will be 68 teams, one state, one city, and duking it out. The first four at Banker's Life, he has them as an 11 seed playing Stanford. Ironically, he has San Diego State as an 11 seed playing Marquette. Uh, that'll be uh, in, inside the same arena, by the way. And then the winner of that 11 matchup for the Aggies would get... Oh, man, I got to find it again. I just lost it. Oh, he has Colorado State, by the way, as an 11 seed playing UCLA. With, uh, without a playing game. Yes, Boise State playing Xavier. Where's yeah, the as Aggies? a 9. So, um, not sure if Utah State gets Colorado or St. Louis. This doesn't the way they've got this kind of laid out. Is oh, I see. Okay, I see where it's at. Yep, never mind. I see what you're talking about. Thank you. Uh, currently, he has Utah State in the uh, in regards of their record. Uh, I would have to look this up again. Now I have to flip over the page. This is a mess. I have too many papers. Got the Aggies as an 11 seed. San Diego State also as an 11. Colorado State um, as an 11 as Uh, well. Kind of grouped together there. Okay, so as as that seed, he has their net ranking at 41. Their RPI at 79. They have no quad quad one games. They uh, three and three in quad two games. Nothing in quad three. Quad four, they're eight and zero. Oh. 
And their strength of schedule sits at 164. That's not really that good, is it? Yeah, the real-time RPI has Utah State's strength of schedule at 163. Um, Ken Pomeroy uh, doesn't really give a lot of strength to Utah State's schedule either. Uh, That's going to improve with their games against San Diego State last week, Colorado State this week. Uh, Nevada, UNLV still on the schedule. Boise State still on the schedule. So there are things that are going to help Utah State's strength of schedule. They started out with the bottom of the Mountain West and by large accounts, the bottom of college basketball. (laughs) I mean, 300 or or higher uh, in the net rankings. So uh, they started out against some of the, the worst teams. So it's Understandable that they're starting to get into the, the more of the teeth of the conference play and the better rankings, so they're going to get a little bit better consideration with some of these things as they as they start to play out. Um, you know, so yeah, it, it's not great. Maybe that's that is perhaps one of the reasons why the Aggies aren't getting very many votes yet or consideration in these in these polls because okay, you look, it's a great winning streak, but who have you played? And it's a fair. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. <laughs> yeah. He's got BYU as a nine seed. Their net ranking is 34. RPI is a 14. They're 2-3 and three in quad one, quad one games, 2-0 and oh in quad two games, 3-0 and oh in quad three games, 3-0 and oh in quad four games. Strength to schedule sits at 31. Man, if we would have won that game, that would have been nice. Yeah, Utah State really struggles without having a quad one victory. Uh, and they're not going to get a chance until they play Boise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the SB Nation bracket right now currently has Utah State at uh, the 10th seed playing a 7th seed at USC. Winner would get Texas and Cleveland State. I like that. I think we'd beat USC. I'd be confident in playing USC, and I think we'd beat USC. Uh, USC is kind of on a downward trend right now. Uh, they also have Boise State as an eight seed against Seton Hall, and uh, those are the only Mountain West schools, correct? Yeah, they got correct. San Diego State as a uh, out, who was in, but now they're on the outside. Uh, and then Joe Lenardi also had the Aggies as a last four or first four in or last four in. Last four in. He's got them in the play-in game as uh, a 12 seed against Stanford, uh, and then Boise State is uh, is ranked. They are at a nine seed, and he's got them facing UConn. Oh, so if Utah State were to win, they would face Clemson according to this formula, and if Boise State were to win, beat UConn, they'd face the winner of Michigan and South Dakota. Congratulations. Yeah, no kidding. Eight, nine seeds the worst place to be. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, you try to avoid those at all costs. But I would. I mean, if I'm going to be honest with you, I really wanted Utah State to win that that Washington matchup, just because I wanted to see them play North Carolina. I, I mean, we. I think we know the result, but it would. It just would have been fun to compete against one of the blue bloods of college basketball. Uh, ESPN. They also put together their basketball power index, their BPI. Uh, they've got Utah State at 53 overall. Uh, Boise State's at 34, San Diego State at 38, Colorado State comes in at 89. So Utah State still has some some work to do because, like I said, one of the biggest knocks is just their schedule so far. 
Uh, but they're, it's going to be decidedly more challenging as it, it continues to go on. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, all right, let's take a break. Coming back, we'll get to our pick six, and then we'll uh, come back after that and then wrap up uh, another edition of the Full Court Press. Again, Aggies, Rams tonight, 9 p.m. on FS1. Uh, and then they are off until they play UNLV at UNLV. Then they're at Fresno State after that and then back home. But it feels like forever. And it's a lot of games in between. Four games uh, on the road is a lot, especially in two weeks. So, uh, again, Rams, Aggies tonight, 9 p.m. on FS1. Eric Franson, I'm Ajay Salveson on 106.9 The Fan. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Ajay Salveson. Conference Player of the Year. It's Keta, and it's by a wide mile right now. Ahead of Alston? Yes, but Alston's got help. He's got a lot of help around him. So, I mean, I'm not saying that Keta doesn't have help around him. Keta's a big reason why this team, and I'm proving your point from yesterday, so don't I was say just going to ask, say, who, who stop, did you say was no, your MVP? Stop, Ashworth. You said Anders. He's just... I said Ashworth. You said Alfonso I got the receipts, Eric. Weekdays from 4 to 6, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Alde South here on the Full Court Press. All right. Time to play that game that we all hate. Eric, it's time to play pick six. Three lines from each of us, yes or no's, over, unders, however you want to do it. And uh, winner gets a, well, if it's me, I get a crappy prize. If it's Eric, he gets well, a Well, it was a great prize. Eric, that light's going to burn out by Your the end of the night. Your own personal... Like old main that lights up blue. That's going to burn out by the end of the night. There's no on and off switch. I can't turn it off. It's meant to be a lasting beacon of hope. Oh. Pom-poms when it fades. (laughs) Pom-poms. Great. Great. Yeah, the pom-poms definitely light the effect too, by the way. That was... was There's still some uh, stale blue popcorn. (laughs) You want some? I'm not touching that. You You and sports guy can share that tonight when you're watching the game. Because he's coming back. <laughs> All right. It's three lines. Uh, I won last week, right? So yes, you I did. I get to choose. You know, I'm going to go first, actually. Do you have paper? Do I need to get paper? I've got it. I've got okay, something. Cool. Yep. Cool. cool beans. Okay. Tom Brady, the GOAT. Aaron Rodgers, the baby GOAT. They're going to duke it out on Lambeau Field for the NFC Championship. Who has more turnovers? Tom Brady? Or Aaron Rodgers. Mm. Or, I'm going to give you an option, your third option here. They don't have any, so it would be even. Wait, even or zero? Oh, sorry, zero. We'll say zero. Sorry. Jeez. Um, I'm going to say Brady. You're such a Brady hater. I don't get it. He's it's, He's been prone to have more turnovers this season than Aaron Rodgers has. That's all it is. I'm going to say zero. Okay. All right. Capiche? We good? Gonzaga and Pacific. Uh, Gonzaga is, of course, undefeated 14 and 0. Pacific's 5 and 1. But Gonzaga by 23 and a half over under. Gonzaga over Pacific. How much? 23 and a half. 
I'm going to take the under. You know, the last time we did this, they screwed me over. And it wasn't even that high. It was only 32. Um, You took the under? I'm going to take the under. Okay. Uh, you actually, yeah, we're going to do that one. Utah State basketball. Ashworth. 13 and a half points over under. Stephen Ashworth points at 13 and a half. Yep. Uh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to take the under on that. I'm going to take the over. Okay. All right, what are the three lines that you threw together in five minutes? Okay, for me, the Utah Jazz are going to be facing the uh, Golden State Warriors on Saturday. Okay. Remi- uh, reminder there, the game time has changed. Oh, it has? From 3 o'clock to 7 o'clock. Oh. It will no longer be on uh, NBA TV. TV. It'll be on AT&T Sportsnet. Oh, what a slap in the face. We'll still have it here on the fan. But who shoots more threes in that game? The Jazz or the Warriors? Warriors. Steph Curry's going to shoot 20 by himself. I'm going to take the Jazz. Really? All right. Good for you. Uh, uh, Going back to the uh, NFC Championship game, Aaron Rodgers passing yards, 275 and a half. Under. I'm going to take the over. Wow. Good for you. I'll take the over. Good for you. And circling back to Utah State in their game tonight against Colorado State, USU rebounds tonight. Team rebounds. Okay. 42 and a half. Oh, man. I'm going to say over. Uh, I'm going to take the under. At 44 on Tuesday... But I, I think it'll be a little bit different matchup tonight. I think the Aggies still win, but I think it'll be under. I'm going to take the under. All right, recap what we got. Okay, so who will have more turnovers? Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, or zero? Zero turnovers between those two quarterbacks. I took Brady. You said zero. Uh, Gonzaga over Pacific by 23 and a half. We both took the under. Uh, Steven Ashworth points tonight. 13 and a half. I took the under. You took the over. Who shoots more threes on Saturday, the Utah Jazz or the Golden State Warriors? I said the Jazz. You said the Warriors. Aaron Rodgers passing yards for the Green Bay Packers on Sunday. I set the line at 275 and a half. I took the over. You took the under. And then finally, USU team rebounds tonight. 42 and a half. I took the under, you took the over. That's what we got. Oh, uh, tiebreaker. Oh, we need a tiebreaker. Yes. Okay, Brady. Okay, Buccaneers versus Packers. Uh, score. And winner. Um, let's see. I'm going to take. I'm going to take Green Bay. Okay. Thirty-one to twenty-seven. I'm going to take Tampa Bay. Twenty-four seventeen. All right. There it is. It is written. 
We have spoken into existence. <laughs> That's our pick six. Okay. I'll wrap it up here, clean it up on another edition of the Full Court Press. Come on, say it. You know you want to. Full Court Press. No, no. The other one. Oh, the fan. No. My name. The ringmaster. Sorry, the deflator. You know what? You're such an ungrateful...